Welcome to Mirepoix Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schubach. I'm a writer, theater maker, and food enthusiast, and I'm taking you on a journey through food, family, and culture via the lens of food practice and tradition. Our guest today is Maggie Fuller of Nugent. Up first, a word from our sponsors. This is Mirepoix. Hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. What a delight. What an honor. I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, our first question is, who the heck are you? Uh, well, my name is Maggie Fullalove Nugent. Uh, I am a Chicagoan, uh, a theater maker uh, on the technical side. So production manager, lighting designer. I do less of that nowadays, but um, I'm just always trying to make the theater community a, just a better, more sustainable place to be. Um, I am a keeper of all things, uh, which kind of leads into my environmentalism, as it were. Uh, I, I wouldn't exactly call myself an environmentalist, but it's definitely part of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm a hostess. I love hosting people wherever I am, but most specifically in my home uh, and making sure everyone is comfortable and has all the food and beverages that they require to have a good evening. Ain't that the truth? Or daytime, but I mean, it's often <laughs> in the evening. But. Yes, sometimes right at the, uh, the bewitching, not bewitching hour, but- uh, Cocktail hour? hour is actually one I mean, cocktail hour is a, regular thing in my household has been since the beginning um yeah. you know the wines the cheeses not a big cheese fan but have become a big wine fan oh i'm a wine lover yeah. i also love wine that's right a wine enthusiast uh yes i would i would you definitely. probably have a lot of fill in the blank enthusiasts uh, yeah right. yeah i am um, i i like a lot of things it's yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's not a bad place to be I love it. I love it. Uh, and oh, and we could say we've known each other for 16 years. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yes. It's also a lot of things like <laughs> wild and scary. <laughs> and kind of doing all the things that I said. We've been making theater together. We've been yeah. drinking wine together, yep. eating food together, trying to save the world together in various ways. So, amen. So, this, it's so nice to, 16 years so nice to have you in my life for the last six yes years. right back at you um what do you usually say is your favorite food so I like a lot of things my my family my parents specifically would call me a very picky eater I don't actually think that's true anymore it definitely was when I was a child but in uh kind of thinking about coming on today uh, I have to say cream is my favorite thing ever. Um, it, it goes with every meal of the day, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I, I have my morning tea or coffee that involves cream. And in the holiday time, there's like heavy whipping cream in the house. So it's not just like milk, it's like cream. Yeah. Um, there's uh, whipping cream. I mean, butter is always good. 
Uh, I'm not a huge cheese fan, which may come up a few times today, but uh, there is this one cheese that you and I share together quite often that is basically just cream. And listeners, if you don't know about it, please go find some. It is called burrata. And it is basically cheese. It's cream just before it turns into cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's great on bread or pizza crusts, a um, little bit of salt on it. It's delicious. But yeah, cream, I, uh, I love it. I don't think I could live without cream. Yeah. I could give up everything else, but like having milk and cream in my life is very important. And because of that, I have never broken a bone. So, oh, there you go. I don't, I don't, I mean, it could be a coincidence. Could be. Um, Hannah taught me about uh, putting burrata on salad and that. Oh, game changer. Oh yeah. Oh, I could see it. Maybe even like, um, almost like a, one of those fruits that like with pears and walnuts, oh, yeah. but like a little bit of burrata. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's out of this world. And as much as, you know, I love it when I buy it at the grocery store, it usually comes in a thing of water. Mm-hmm. Fresh burrata is like none other. The pizza place by my house, Spacanopoli, totally pushing it. You can sponsor yeah. Mirepoix. <laughs> Um, they used to have it as a special on the menu and so many people loved it. It is now part of their regular menu. It's so uh, and, and they, they bring it in. I, I don't even quite understand, but they like get it from Italy and yeah. somehow it's still fresh, which is probably not super sustainable, but it's so worth it. But delicious. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. I like, well, it's funny because I, I, I acknowledge that your favorite food is cream, but burrata is a real highlight of the cream and cream adjacent family. Yep. Yep. That is correct. Um, what about what's your favorite food and beverage pairing? It's gotta be brunch and a mimosa. Yeah. I mean, I love nothing more than going out to brunch any day of the week and having a mimosa. I mean, bottomless mimosas. Why not? Uh, yeah. And, and it goes with anything, whether you're doing like a sweet brunch or uh, a savory brunch, or maybe you actually don't even really want brunch, you know, you just want like a little toast, but yeah. And you got orange juice in there. So it's, it's, it's got some health. Oh, definitely. It's just a little, you know, a little sugar rush in the morning, a little bubbly. I mean, Everyone loves a bubbly, whether it's bubbly water or bubbly soda or bubbly wine, which absolutely. And, you know, the nice thing about mimosas, too, is you don't need to get like a really nice champagne. No. Right. It can be anything. It's just adding that little like fizz and a teeny bit of alcohol into your morning beverage. Have you seen all like the TikToks and memes and whatnot about like my mimosa recipe and it's like a full glass of champagne with like a spritz of orange juice into it well that's how i drink my mimosas hello <laughs> yeah i and like heavy on the champagne heavy on the champagne and also it doesn't have to just be orange juice no i've been to some like mimosa bars where you have a a choice of several different juices like you can yeah. do pineapple juice or grapefruit grapefruit juice is actually delightful oh yeah 
yeah, yeah. It's I did one that was like Disney themed because it was trying to like replicate the flavors of Dole Whip at, at the parks. And I did, oh, I did pineapple rum, pineapple juice, and champagne. Like not too much rum, just like just enough. Oh, was, I would like to try that. Yeah, it was really good. I think I have all of those ingredients somewhere I'm here sure in this house. Do. So <laughs> that might be tomorrow morning. Hey, who knows? Why not? Um, speaking of morning, uh, what's your favorite hot breakfast? Oh, well, I mean, in some ways, I kind of already spoiled that because I love brunch. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a diner girl. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in Chicago going to diners with my best friends, you know, just drink, not, not at that time, not drinking mimosas, but tea and French toast and any time of day, like breakfast, I mean, brunch, breakfast, any time of day. That's why it's brunch, right? It, you can have it whenever. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I do have this moment every time I make it to a diner or a place that is serving brunch of, okay, am I doing the sweet or am I doing the savory? And in my adult life, I have to say savory seems to have one out, um, mostly because I also love bacon. Not that, I don't know, you know, I mean, it really, I guess the real dream is doing the, the everything, you know, you get the oh, egg. Yeah the potatoes, the bacon, and then the French toast on the side. Yes. Um, As a very small child, as my parents would kind of take me around the world because I'm so lucky, uh, I used to love staying in hotels and getting Belgian waffles, which of course has a lot of cream on top too. I have since then, since my mom lived in Belgium for a while, learned that Belgian waffles are not what you get in fancy hotels. But uh, (laughs) The American fancy hotel version of Belgian waffle is still delightful. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. As are the street waffles you get in Belgium with that awesome um, dolce de leche sauce or oh, what is oh, yeah. that? that? It's so it's just so good. Oh my goodness! Uh, the breakfast I've seen you eat the most is white toast side of bacon. Oh well, that's you know that's what I was saying. Where like sometimes you don't want to eat breakfast. Yeah. But a little bit of protein, a little bit of carbs get your caffeine in there. Yeah, I think when I would see you eat that, I think you were still doing coffee in the morning. Is that yes, right? I have switched to tea. Um, I love tea. I, it's, um, you can still put cream and sugar in it. Yeah. And also you can't even get more of the cream and sugar because really tea, depending on how long you steep it, it's more water than anything else. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I switched to tea. Mostly I, cause I was getting, um, you know, pre-pandemic world, getting $6 ridiculous coffees at fancy coffee houses. Yeah. Not naming any because I don't want them to sponsor Mirepoix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they haven't paid you yet. <laughs> but uh, uh, tea is just so much easier. And um, I make a pot of it every morning and it's, you know, it stays, you know, throughout the morning and I can keep refilling my cup. And um, although I, my biggest change recently is not putting sugar in my tea. I'm using honey and specifically local honey, which is supposed to help with your allergies. It is supposed to help with your allergies. So I will let your listeners know in the spring, if I have less allergies because of me eating lots of local honey over the winter. 
I will tell you too. So I obviously was not part of like a clinical trial, but when I moved to California, I got really bad allergies right away. And I just went to the store and I bought local honey from like the town over. And here's what I do know is I don't remember what happened. And to me, that means it you weren't sneezing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's no, that's right. Right. You don't, you don't know when you're fine. You only know when you're you're not fine. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and also like there was just always a reason to put honey in my tea then. So like I probably was doing it all right by accident. You know, I think honey has a lot of benefits. I could not list them off, but I, I, I think they're, they're much better than granulated sugar. I think so too. For sure. I mean, I, I actually will go ahead and say, I know that it's better than yes. granulated sugar. Well, also don't forget the weird thing about how, um, was it granulated sugar is not technically vegan? Oh, like bones in the process That's or something crazy. Weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, honey isn't technically vegan either, but it's a different kind of not vegan. <laughs> it's bee spit up instead of something that has bones in it. Also, well, no, this is, I, never mind. I was going to say, and we're supporting the bees, which need to be supported, but that's not how we support the bees. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's sort of neutral. There are lots of ways to support the bees. Like we're turning our grass in our yard to clover. This oh yeah. Weekend. Yeah. So we'll see how Tell us goes. what that does again. Uh, what the clover does. Yeah. Well, bees love the clover. Um, and also it's, it's natural to, we're using a clover that is specific to our area. So Mm -hmm. it's also a natural plant that will survive and it survives, you know, having all the parties I was talking about earlier. Because it grows back really quickly, right? It grows back really quickly and it's a spreader plant. So it, it just, it just runs really quickly. Unlike a lot of the nice grasses as you know, quote unquote, nice grasses you see in fancy suburban lawns, not they need to be cared for and yeah. pesticides and blah, blah, blah. The clover is just gonna, and the rabbits like it too. So the bees, the rabbits. I mean, it's win-win. I don't think we're going to get our own honey, but sure. You know, helping the local honey makers that I buy from at the farmer's market. So. Yeah. So does clover, I know this isn't a botany uh, podcast, but <laughs> clover flowers. And then will you see those flowers in your lawn? Yeah, they're uh, the ones that we're growing are kind of white and um, they look almost like uh, thistles if you're familiar yeah, with that. I can picture it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, another honey, honey I like is uh, one you can't get here, but it's called Heather honey, which is the Scottish honey. Yeah. And that's specific to Scotland because that's where the Heather grows and and the bees use that that pollen from those and it's a it's a really fascinating honey it's very thick and you can basically turn the jar upside down and it never like it will not come out um yeah also did you know honey is the as far as i know sorry don't i guess don't quote me on this but uh uh is the only food product that never goes bad i've heard something like that yeah yeah wild it's wild. It's like shelf life is like a hundred years or something. Yeah. Which is amazing. Which probably means, honestly, if your honey is going bad, you probably got some weird honey, right? With like fake stuff in it. Fake stuff in it. Yeah. 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 Um, completely different question. Yep. Um, we went off on honey. <laughs> I, I love it. And we'll have to be careful. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite theme park or county fair or street festival food? 
So I have to tell you a story. Mm. Uh, when I was 20, I worked as a technician at the street festival, The Taste of Chicago. Yes. Which, uh, whenever that was 2002, uh, was still a two week long festival through the streets of downtown adjacent to Grant Park, where lots of food vendors from all across the city would set up, you know, little booths, you know, 10 by 10 spaces max and make the food that they made in the restaurants, whether it be chicken or crocodile or rainbow cone or, you know, just everything. I mean, and that was the, that was the point of it. And people from definitely the Chicagoland area, but I think all over the country actually came to like taste, taste Chicago. Right. Um, So my job at this festival was setting up all of the fronts of the stands and running power to them and kind of making sure the, the, the technical aspects were okay for these people to make food and chill their food and cook their food and whatnot. Great festival, had a great time, got a lot of food for free. The um, strike, which is the, you know, the takedown of that festival is the, was the day after 4th of July, maybe even the night of 4th of July. And I was told by my boss to wear clothing and shoes that I never wanted to see again. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, but sure. Uh, And it started at nine o'clock at night when the festival closed and say went until about nine o'clock the next morning. So a 12 hour strike of us just like pulling down things and throwing them in trucks and- Just already wild. It, I mean, it is just crazy, right? Yeah. And when the, the sun came up around, let's say, I mean, it's July. So maybe five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. It's pretty much empty now. And the giant city of Chicago water trucks came in to like spray down the streets because there are chicken bones and trash and just, I mean, grease just everywhere. And then the seagulls flew in and were just, it was, it was one of the most memorable and disgusting moments of my life. And yes, indeed, uh, yeah. I, I definitely threw that pair of chucks out the next day. Yeah. I don't throw anything away. <laughs> and pretty much since that moment, I've been a little fearful of street food, just yeah. like having had that moment. Particularly just, with so many vendors in such a um, small proximity, right? Yeah, yeah. It was very weird. Um, it kind of like made a river. It was. It was like a river of grease that the seagulls were floating down and picking out weird things to eat out of. It was v- very wild. weird. So I say that I've been a little nervous about street food since then. The same time, I'm actually far from a germaphobe and mm-hmm. even pandemic considering right now. Yeah. Uh, and so I do still eat food on the streets. And there's another story I will share with the listeners is remembering coming out of a bar with you and we were waiting for a lift and this amazing woman was like, it was cold. And it was she, very was, cold. she was like in a storefront nook that was closed and had a little grill and was grilling Polish sausages. 
And I got one of those Polish sausages as we waited for our lift. And then our lift came and got into the lift with, with that Polish sausage. Yeah. That was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> and it's pretty cool, like, how there's operations like that, right? Like, where, yeah. like, somebody has a whole thing set up just in a doorway on the street and it's like pumping out Polish sausages. And you know, that I actually trust a lot more than a festival that's been running 100%. for two weeks, wondering like where that chicken has been sitting. Yeah. Like she brought that stuff from her home. Yeah. That I feel like, cause it's her home was clean and safe yes. and made it in the moment and served it to me. That's right. It was real good. I can't believe the Lyft driver let us do that. I'm pretty sure we tipped him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we should have gotten him one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, what's the food you eat to feel comforted? Oh, it's got to be pizza. Yeah. I mean, I, even as a non-cheese fan, I love pizza. Um, like a simple cheese pizza. I'll eat it with other things, not fruit can't stand fruit on cooked fruit is just weird to me in general <laughs> like even in pies i have much difficulty with oh yeah fruit. um but yeah so and and there's like a different pizza for different feelings of comfort right um, there's there's the frozen pizza that we have at home which is um jack's brand yeah. uh which i always make in the toaster oven mm -hmm. that's the that's fit in there perfectly wow yeah, it's absolutely perfect. You have to remember to spin it at one point if you really want it okay. done correctly all the way around. But um, you kind of have a big toaster oven. We do, we do. In fact, the last, not this toaster, the last toaster oven we have was, I think, branded to be a pizza toaster oven. Uh -huh. It had a little like cutout in the back that was round, but it still fits in this one. Um, and then there's like the ordering Chicago's pizza. Right. And I'm a Chicago's uh, like literal Chicago's pizza, not just like the idea of like that is the brand, yes. which, you know, but our listeners maybe don't know. The original Chicago's pizza was half a block from my house where I still live. And I used to lean out my porch and read the neon phone number on the side of or on, on the glass windows. 506-8888. And this was before we had um area codes in chicago yeah. so we were all 312 at that time uh i would still have it delivered though so lazy that's hilarious i mean it's but i was also little i yeah. mean i don't even know how little and fun fact when that one moved to montrose avenue you could still use that number for about three or four years that's they have it. since then canceled that number yeah i wonder who has that number now i feel like i should call it right now right no <laughs> Um, and then there's like, oh, <laughs> so like, so frozen pizza, Chicago's pizza. And then there's when I want like a special pizza. My other local pizza place is Spacanopoli, which I mentioned yeah. before with the burrata, which used to be halfway between one of the offices that we shared together. So yeah. I would walk a block and a half, order my Spacanopoli pizza, which is ready in it's, you know, Neapolitan pizza. So it's ready in 60 seconds after they put it in the oven yeah, and they'd offer me a glass of Prosecco while I wait. So I get my bubbly, I get pizza. It's the, I, I don't even remember if they had burrata at that time, but 
So, but yeah, pizza. The cannolis there. Oh yes, which they also they hand out for free when you leave the yeah. restaurant. I mean, even like during a- COVID, we found out. That is true. We that asked true. them. Yeah, amazing. Um, so yeah, pizza. Pizza will generally always make me feel better. Yeah. In the moment. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, what's the food you eat when you're under the weather? This is a little, it's probably like a lot of everyone's answer, but you know, I love a, I love a soup, but really why I want the, the soup and I'm talking like a broth soup, a chicken yeah. noodle is for the saltines. Oh yeah. Like I love saltines. Yeah. They're, oh, they just feel so old school and safe and, and bringing back my favorite food too i will also have them with a glass of milk yeah totally weird but i love saltines i don't remember to buy them but like they're good yeah and they're different than you know like oyster crackers which i also love i mean it's the same idea right but yeah saltines are just my mom used to take um like as a snack for me would take like uh land lakes white american cheese and quarter it and then put them on individual saltines and then put it in the microwave for like 20 seconds. Amazing. So good. (laughs) (laughs) It's like nothing, but it's phenomenal. Oh my goodness. Yeah, crack. I ate a whole sleeve of uh, Ritz in bed a couple weeks ago. Oh, I can eat a whole sleeve of saltines if I don't have to try. They're so light. They kind of melt in your mouth. They do. Which is weird for a cracker, but they do. And you said oyster crackers too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, any of that, that kind of crisp white bread with salt on it. 100%. I should try. So we say it again. You like croutons? Oh, yes, absolutely. Although we've been trying to do better at making our own croutons. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like the totally the right thing to do with if you're not making French toast with stale bread and you can, you know, collect your bits of bread or if you are someone who doesn't um, like crusts and you cut those off, yeah. put them in a bag, throw them in the freezer. And when you're ready to do like a crouton oh. making on a baking sheet, you know, then cut it all up, put your seasonings on it. And the freezer is real smart. The freezer the freezer, as much energy as it may waste, um, is a truly great invention. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. All right. Here's the big one. Uh, well, I don't know if this is the big one, but you know what I mean? Uh, the namesake of the show, which is a classic base to many recipes, is mirepoix. This three-ingredient holy trinity takes many forms all over the globe and manifests in different ways. What is your mirepoix? What ingredients do you use on the regular to start a cooking process? So the crazy thing about me being on this show. Yeah. I was like, is, is this, this is about to be confession time. Is that I don't really cook. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that I can't because I'm sure I could. It, yeah. And and when I put my mind to it, there are a few recipes I do make that feel very special. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not one to make the meals in my house. And if I'm alone, I'm a hundred percent one to order out or pick yeah. up or, you know, and, and I love leftovers. Unlike yes. you. 
You're very uh, like strategic with leftovers. I feel like, like I, I've uh, seen you order like a pretty big pizza with like the week in mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's kind of like getting anything delivered, right? Like, yeah. get that delivery money. Like, get your money's worth out of yes. the delivery. Yes. Um. That said, I did think about this, and there. Again, not that I do cook, but there are three things that I would always think about putting in a saute pan, which if I do cook, a saute pan is 100% what I would start with. Yeah. One is olive oil. Yep. Um, And that is something left over from my childhood. And, you know, I just bought some more olive oil at the store when when I went to the grocery store. I couldn't even believe we were out because I think we had just gotten one. Yeah. So that's like a very like familial thing. Um, and then if I were to add two more things to that, if I just didn't know what I was making, which would probably be something really simple, like putting some like chicken in there to fry up or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, crushed red pepper. Yeah. You do love crushed red pepper. I do love crushed red pepper. In fact, I love it so much that sometimes I go into one of our pantry spice areas and I see like four unopened crushed red peppers which makes me mad because of so many bottles, but yeah. <laughs> but clearly it is something that my family knows that I like, so they keep buying it. Yeah, I could imagine that coming in your stocking. And then my mom uh, told me something a, a long, long time ago, which comes just back from her mom and back from times of like women in the kitchen and misogyny and needing you know, men to feel like they're being taken care of in a heterosexual house, you know, like all of that. But like, if you have onions on the stove cooking, people will think that you've done something. And I'm I'm not actually saying anyone should do that. I just want to be clear about that. But it's true. But uh, they do, they like, they have this thing with them. They smell good. They they inspire you to want to eat, I think too. Um, and a particular onion that we always have in my house, so it would be easy to grab, would be a green onion. Yeah. Uh, which, in fact, in kind of sorting out the different uh, fridges and pantries the other day before I went shopping, I found five bunches of green onions that we had not used yet. Oh my <laughs> eat them or plant them well i i did a really good job in making a salad the other day i i stripped all the gooeyness off of one of them and put the gooeyness in the compost bin and then cut the rest up and put it in my salad but so yeah so i'd say like olive oil crushed red pepper green onions if i had a mirepoix would be my mirepoix yeah that would be good and it's interesting that you say that because i i said this on other episodes Green onions and crushed red pepper are new things that I've been cooking with recently. Um, actually, funnily enough, because of Hannah's, um, what's it called? When they send food to you in the mail. Oh, like a blue apron box or? Yeah, the other one, whatever it is. Um, like they have that, like those often in their recipes. And it's, I started doing it myself and it's a game changer. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'm so glad it works. I now I'm almost inspired to, well, we are having leftovers tonight, but I'm almost inspired to go make something with that mirepoix. I thought I didn't like crushed red pepper because unlike you, I don't like it on pizza, Mm -hmm. but I discovered I like cooking with it, which is just like a completely different 
situation. Yeah, like it, it, it comes out again, like if you put it in the oil, it's gonna, it's gonna just add, add something to that. Um, I realize something we haven't said out loud is that I've lived with you before. Oh, that is also true. The, the reason I mentioned is because I'm about to ask you about what's in your fridge. And I realize there's a couple of these answers I could, pro or questions I could answer. Oh, I'll be interested to hear. Maybe I answer and you answer. Yeah. So what's in your fridge? What are items that you can always find in your kitchen or pantry? Uh, well, I hinted at this a moment ago, but there are lots of places to find food in my house. Yeah. Um, there is a, a full normal kitchen upstairs with a, you know, a, a fridge, freezer, several cabinets of things. And then there's the basement uh, that has a pantry, a shelf outside the pantry, and then another fridge and freezer, and then another full freezer, yep. which every time I try to put something in that full freezer, I'm like, why did we get anything else? Because we can't put it in the freezer. That's wild. Which is why we call my basement, or at least I call my basement, the apocalyptic basement. Yes. Because there's also the cedar closet that's full of scotch and wine and there's a liquor shelf. And there, I mean, if, if we continue to have like in an apocalypse, have plumbing and electricity for a little while, my basement is set. Like oh, we yeah. could live down here. There are bars on the windows in case there are zombies. It's yeah. It's, it's kind of the place to be. In fact, I may have opened that up to too many people. The biggest problem will be that we'll be overcrowded. <laughs> but you'll have plenty of fur coats. That's true. That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, thinking about this before, because there could be so many answers to this question. But going back to the hosting Mm -hmm. And what I ended up grabbing off the shelf while I was waiting in line for like 30 minutes at the grocery store the other day, which went like through an aisle, I found myself next to the Velveeta cheese, which oh, yeah. for those of you who look for Velveeta cheese in the grocery store, it is not with the cheeses. It's never it is, where you think it is. It is, it, it is usually in the cracker aisle and it is on the top shelf. I've also <laughs> occasionally seen it by macaroni and cheese. It, it's so weird. It's because it's shelf stable. Like, what a weird product that Just is. Just like so, honey. It, yeah, it is. Kind of, wow. It might. <laughs> it for might. different reasons. <laughs> totally different reasons. So, so the thing that I can almost always rely on, if someone comes over, like if you come over to my house yeah. and we're a little peckish, I can go inside and there will be the makings and serving utensil of cheese dip, mm -hmm. which is Velveeta cheese, Rotel dip or Rotel in a can, which is not yeah. a dip, uh, which is like green, green onions, no green peppers. It's tomatoes and, and peppers. And, yeah. and green peppers in a can. And then you mix that together either over a double broiler or in the microwave, really you yeah. can. Um, and then you use it, um, you dip Fritos into it, and that is how you serve it. And that is a, that is a staple in my house. It has been since be long before I can remember. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I have, you know, my dear friend, Amanda, who I've known my entire life, like she loves this dip. She makes this dip at home now. It's definitely from our childhood. Um, I don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't 
I don't. I have no interest in it. I'll eat the plain Fritos, though. Yeah. And the great thing about Fritos that I've learned only recently is because my our dear friend Mary, actually, you know Mary and Amanda, um, uh, they're uh, they're gluten free. And I think like have been the whole time, right? They have been the whole time. Yeah. yeah. It's it just because they're corn chips. Yeah. Um. Fritos so. So those are the things that seem like, I think whenever we go to the grocery store, like I did the other day, like I grabbed a Velveeta, I happened to not grab Rotel because I wasn't in that aisle, but I did, I was in the aisle with the Fritos and the Velveeta. So I grabbed it. So, so, you know, next time you come over, we're, we're set. <laughs> That's right. I was thinking about this question for your house and I realized part of the answer is who's home. Mm-hmm. Like, is it all three of you? Is it, was it when your mom was in Europe? Is it, you know, it, I think it does depend on who's, if you're all three there, but um, for sure, Merck spreadable cheese and English muffins. Oh, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I also bought two things of English muffins yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are serious about English muffins. <laughs> well, they also can be frozen. So that's true. Um, you know, the other thing I, when I was thinking about this question was the amount of spices we have in the house, you have a lot of spices. which enabled me to make something you have sampled, which is the amazing Bloody Mary salt I made uh, a couple months ago. It was so good. It's so good. And I mean, I looked up a recipe on some magical thing on my, you know, on my phone, some, (laughs) sorry, I can't give credit to whoever's recipe it was, but it, it, it asked for like 14 different spices. Sure enough. I had them all. <laughs> Didn't have to go shopping for one of them. <laughs> was it like two different kinds of mustard powder? Oh my gosh. It was so many different like everything. things. And and it, it I was able to do some special things. Like it said, you know, um, you know, rock salt. Yeah. But I ended up using like a Himalayan rock salt because yeah. we had that from one of mom's travels. And uh yeah, just so there's there's some things in in my pantry. I wonder uh, if it's not in my pantry. That's the real question. We'll have we'll have to get I, to the bottom. I don't know. <laughs> Listeners, let us know. Give us a quiz. Like, what do you think is not? I'm in sure Sarah can that. brainstorm some things that probably aren't in your pantry. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, you are nine years old. Who is in your kitchen? Who is doing the cooking? And what are they making? So not to say my parents weren't home and doing the cooking, because I think we did have a lot of meals together as a kid when I was a kid. But uh, I had an amazing nanny from when I was six weeks old till 10 years old. Wow. Yeah. And her name was Phyllis Baroni. Amazing. Her birthday was February 14th. Oh, coming up. Um, coming up. Um, she's no longer with us, but I, I think of her often. And I mean, she had a lot to do with, I mean, she she was part of bringing me up, right? Yeah. Um, and so she made me dinner many of the nights, um, weeknights that we were together. And, you know, I'm sure when I was very little, it was some weird concoction of mashed potatoes and oh but you said nine years old so nine years old um this is still kind of a regular thing for me and something i love i had white rice sliced tomatoes 
and some meat. Yeah. And the meat was either like a hamburger patty or like a, a fried fish thing that definitely came in a package of some yeah. sort. But the most special thing of those meats that she made was something called a mock chicken leg. Oh, you told me about this. So there used to be a butcher around the corner um, right under the Montrose Brown line, who's no longer there. His name was Jack. Dad and I would go to Jack's every weekend, get like the meat for the week, the proteins for the week. Always a meat family. Meat is definitely a big part of my life yeah. um, and my food practice. Uh, Jack's was amazing. It's a butcher kind of butcher shop that would never exist anymore. There was sawdust all over the floor to, you know, pick up the blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, he had cats that were like lived in the store and they were to catch yeah. the rats. <laughs> like, it was on an L station too. Like, I mean, it was just. Yeah. And this is in 1939. This no, no, no. Like... This is like in the like early nineties. Right. Yeah. Um, and so Jack had come up with his own um, version of a drumstick. And it was, uh, uh, I believe it was like, uh, I think it was mostly veal, but like maybe veal and lamb uh -huh. ground up. And then kind of with this device, sounds so weird, but like put on a, a stick. Yeah. So shaped like a chicken leg. But it was actually like ground meat. So it was kind of like a hamburger in a really weird shape. Yeah. On a stick. stick. <laughs> Fun fact. I don't know how this happened. Jack, Jack gave us one of these devices and it is still upstairs in my kitchen. I don't think it has ever been used. Whoa. I mean, it looks like a med medieval like <laughs> torture device. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah i love those mock chicken legs it's probably where i started i love i do love veal as as um see this is why i'm not like a perfect environmentalist because there are so many things that i love and i still partake yeah. in that are like not really good for the world yeah but um so yeah but back to the original question phyllis would make me rice tomatoes and meat and I still, and I would make like a pizza out of it. Like I'd spread the rice around and put the <laughs> in and meat in. And there are still moments in my life. I don't do exactly that, but that's kind of what I, I love. Yeah. You do love rice, tomatoes too. I love tomatoes. I mean, I'm surprised that wasn't my favorite food, but I could give up tomatoes if I still had cream. So, you know. That's good to know about yourself. Uh, but that rice, the way Phyllis made the rice too is very al dente. And that is how I like my rice too. Like yeah. I'm not a huge fan of mushy rice. Like soto, yeah. a little iffy about because it gets Chimit. a little too mushy. Yeah. Yeah. Soto's good. Um, all right. If we aren't eating blank, then it isn't blank. This one's a little weird because I'm going to take it to my Scottish heritage. Oh, sure. Maybe no one else will do this on the show. So um, we aren't eating haggis, neeps, and taddies. If we aren't eating that, then it isn't Burns Night. 
And yep. listeners, for those of you who do not know what Burns Night is, it is a Scottish celebration on January 25th, celebrating the birth of Robert Burns, the Scottish poet laureate. And uh, haggis is not as weird and gross as most people I don't know, culture has made it out to be. Yeah. In fact, it's a really sustainable meat product for, for people who eat meat. Obviously, if you yeah. don't eat meat, I'm not pushing it on you. Right. Although there are vegetarian versions of, yeah. of haggis, um, even, even vegan versions of haggis. Not gluten-free, though, because it's ultimately parts of, originally, it's parts of a lamb that are not used in like regular cuts. So like the heart, the liver um, mixed with oats and then put in a casing like a hot dog or a sausage. And the casing that was originally used was like intestines, which by the way, is the original hot dog and sausage. Yep. Like, it's not that like crazy. It's not, wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as wild as, I don't know how it got such a bad rep, but it has. So I'm here to tell you that it's actually delicious. And I've turned many people onto it over the past years of hosting some Burns Nights. And then the Neeps and the Taddies are, um, Taddies is kind of the easy one. That's potatoes, right? So mashed mm-hmm. potatoes. And then the neeps are are mashed turnips, but not a regular turnip. It's um, what we would call a rutabaga, which is a very sweet turnip. Uh, and I saw a show earlier this week that was set in Iceland that turned a rutabaga into a sorbet. So like yeah. that's kind of showing how like sweet it is. It's not, yeah. Um, and then all of that is served with a whiskey sauce, which guess what involves cream it's cream and whiskey <laughs> um also not a huge whiskey, cream and whiskey say it again is it only cream and whiskey oh i'd have to ask my mom i'm sure there's a spice in there too yeah. but that those are the main ingredients is yeah. is mostly like cream with a little 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 dash of whiskey um good it's yeah it's delicious so so that's like kind of a Burns night staple and, and we celebrate Robert Burns because because he was a he was a poet of the people um, and the people of Scotland versus kind of like the, the king's person. He spoke the language of Scots and um, and was, by the way, a, a lover of celebration and food. And we read a poem that he wrote called to a haggis um you know anyone who writes a poem about a food item in my life is okay (laughs) i wish i wish you could interview him on this show (laughs) he's been dead a while though yeah um related it's a celebration how do you know your family was going all out with food what restaurants did you go to what plates came out of the cupboard how big was your spread you know, when we celebrate, it's almost always at home, like if it's a big celebration, whether it's a holiday or, you know, celebrating a momentous occasion like a birthday. Uh, well, there's, first of all, there's always bubbly. Yeah. That is, bubbles, bubbles mean celebration in my house. Um, but the setting the table is an interesting question because... Like we, we set the table 
every night. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say we even set the table when it's just one of us. We definitely do if it's two of us. Yeah. The number of times I've probably heard, will you set the table in my life are plentiful. Yeah. Uh, so the real question is, I, I think about celebrating is and a special day is what plates and silverware are we using? And there's many levels of flatware and, and plates in, in my home. And it's very important what one we're using and says a lot about the moment. Yeah, I would say we probably, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but it's a true thing is like we have five to eight different full sets of, of China and yes. um, probably the same in terms of flatware. I know it's, we're really taking it seriously. If mom has gone into the safe and gotten out the actual silver, which by the way, will be polished because my aunt Margo will not allow silver to be out in the house unless it's polished, even if it's just us. <laughs> um, then we're really doing it. Yeah, that's how you know. That's how I know. And it's, it's, those are, you know, and it's like, are we using the dishes that we have to wash by hand? Right, right. And, but the, the nice thing about that is, I mean, one, why on earth would we keep all of these things if we can't use them or right. don't use them, right? That would be, that would be a, my mom's argument for sure. Um, but they're, they also all have stories to them too. Yeah. They're not just like expensive. They, they're from this, this part of my family, or this is how we got this, or, you know, the flatware was given as, as an anniversary present every year and collected over time. Um, And, and so the celebrating is actually about, it's actually about bringing members of my family who aren't here to the table, um, which is why when we say grace at those moments, like we all get really weepy because yeah. <laughs> we remember people who aren't here anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and that the things that we serve, serve the food we're about to enjoy on is, is on those, it's on those memories. Yeah. So and tradition is huge, right? Like, I mean, not to go too far the other direction, but like, I think we've learned in the last 10 months how important tradition and fanfare can be because if your days seem identical, <laughs> it's that's over. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that, that was what the holidays were. I mean, we went all out on the holidays this year, whether it be food or decorations or, you know, what, you know, the way we celebrated and because that was important yeah 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 what food for you is home what recipe do you now this is a unique question for you because you're mm. there you're not oh, I, I do live at home <laughs> yeah you don't travel to your 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 family but uh what food for you is home what recipe do you hope is on the table when it says when you visit family but you can answer this however you want well, I'll tell you what my what my mom would say, which I think is true for me too, is I love a whole chicken. 
like a whole roasted chicken, which also, by the way, so did my cat Jelly, who's no longer with us on her last meal when she died when she was 21. Like she literally, I made her a chicken and my friend Becky and Dan came over and like we, we (laughs) made this chicken for her and she like rose from her deathbed to eat this chicken. Oh my God. (laughs) and died that the next morning I mean it was just so it was so bizarre but yeah so like a whole chicken with the stuffing inside the chicken the mashed potatoes there's always some green thing which you know I guess yeah you need asparagus usually you have to have the green thing yeah not a big vegetable fan listeners sorry I but I eat them if they're put in front of me this is the nice thing about living with someone who actually cooks now because I do yeah. eat vegetables which I can't say I did for like the last 10 years of my life yeah um but the other thing I'd say which is really my aunt Margot's answer answer is Yorkshire pudding oh yeah which it, uh some some of you might know it as like a popover but it's it's uh, it used to be made by the hearth and it was just like a little bit of uh, God, I don't make it, but it's like flour and water. This is gonna This will be my recipe fail eventually, which I know is a question coming up <laughs> <laughs> when I have to do it. But you need the important thing about the Yorkshire pudding is you need the fat from the roast. Oh, right. So I don't actually like care about the roast that much, but I really want the Yorkshire pudding. So you have to make a roast to have the Yorkshire pudding. And that's my Aunt Margot's favorite. Um, um, uh, And, you know, it, it is a funny question for me. And I, even you asking it in this moment makes me realize how, lucky I am right now yeah to live with um half of my family yeah. my mom and my aunt so that I do have these I get to be home all the time yeah um you know I very much miss my dad and 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 his wife and and they have their own awesome recipes they're eating way healthier right now but oh, yeah. I can think of some delicious recipes my dad used to make that were way too fatty and lots of beef and um uh that was a question i had is like if you let i mean outside the pandemic if you were visiting your dad today like what would he and prill have like stocked the fridge with for you like what's something they'd be other than wine well (laughs) maybe (laughs) in milk (laughs) wine and milk yeah i mean that's real though right well, Prill makes this amazing orange chicken that oh, is really? nothing like an orange chicken I've ever tasted before. Uh, it's so fresh. Like, I I really admire them. They, like, eat really, really well, and yet somehow have cut sodium and beef out of their diet, and yeah, we could all learn from them. Yeah. For sure. Um, but... Uh, I might, God, this might be jumping to a later question, but my dad did teach me how to make um, veal marsala. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the only things I actually know how to make and one of my favorite meals ever. Ooh, 
I feel like I've talked about veal a lot. And I want to be clear to listeners. I don't eat veal on like a regular every day. <laughs> you do eat cream every day though. I a hundred percent have cream every day, at least milk, maybe yeah. not cream. I feel like I've had cream every day since November, but yeah, it's a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of the global scale, uh, Fill in the blank. What Americans don't understand about blank is blank. Well, you know, this is uh, what I'm going to say is something that I'm very much starting to be better at and learn right now. Mm -hmm. But what Americans don't understand about local food is that it's more available than you think it is. Yeah. Um, and, And I don't obviously that was very true before our lifetime. Yeah. Um, but I think is much more true in 2021 than it was in, let's say, 2000, right? Yeah. Depending on where you are. Um, yes. But as someone who has always lived in a big city, whether it be Chicago or Los Angeles or Moscow, um, <laughs> like it's it, there, there's so many places, including your local store like the jewel in chicago has a local produce section yeah that says it i mean i can't can't speak to it like fully like i vetted it completely but it's separate from the other tomatoes right like there are local farms and greenhouses and there's a lot of local businesses right now and it's not just in the summertime i mean the Farmers markets in um, oh I'm blanking. What are the baskets you get? The the CSA. Oh thing? yeah, the boxes. Yeah. Yeah, the boxes. Um, like th- those are great and obvious and well maybe not to some people, but easier choices. But uh, I mean, I've got a place right around the corner for me, River Valley Ranch, that you know I'm on their email list and every day and I'm like oh we need mushrooms I should go get them over there right like we need apples mom wants apple cider like it's coming from farms in Michigan and not yeah. from I don't know a- apples in Mex- Mexico Florida like that are gr- I, like, have I no don't idea even, where apples I don't even know <laughs> yeah 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 but but um like looking for that local sticker yeah. Well, and I hope it's not a sticker because stickers are wasteful, but, but <laughs> that it, it, it's just easier than you think. Um, yeah. um, and, and even if you want an avocado in Chicago in December, which obviously avocados don't grow here at all. Right. Um, there is probably a more the more sustainable way to get it and and an option that is closer to you than you think yeah you don't have to it used to be about like you were so like coming you know from that la world like crunchy people versus like you're not being crunchy you're being sustainable you're insensible and sensible and and really in some ways it may be it may be more expensive. It may be cheaper. I don't know. Like yeah. it's different for everything. It's kind of like organic milk is a little more expensive, but it lasts 
two months longer than regular milk. Right. Right. Mind well, and as long as we're petroleum dependent, we've got to cut down on how much stuff is transported across continents. It's unacceptable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Period. So, so that option is there. I mean, it's you're you're doing better for your body, for your planet, mm-hmm. um, for your pocketbook potentially, and for your local businesses. Yeah. Um, which is ultimately still capitalism, right? Like you would still yeah. support there's no way you're not supporting capitalism by buying something. No, yeah. So I, I think under under the table deals with farmers. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I think that's something we could all do better at. And I am only just starting to do better at that. I've been working on and not doing it very successfully, but paying attention to like um, seasonal calendars and like when food is at, like when produce is at its height. That's That's amazing. There's, um, I've actually always wanted one of those. There's like a little spinner calendar. I don't know how to... Like where you know what is available in your time. Uh, I want that. I bet there's a digital version of that too. Oh yeah. Probably like a downloadable I- ICS calendar thing. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm going to find that. Yeah, let's find it. All right. What's a food or cuisine that you found in your adult life that changed how you thought about food? Well, I told you earlier that my parents would define me as picky Hmm. which I, I, I still don't. Um, so I hope you're listening parents, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I went, I went to, so I'm from Chicago, but I went to school in Los Angeles and for college for, co- oh, yes. Thank you for college. Um, and I feel like I first really first tried and fell in love with Mexican cuisine when I was there. Yeah. And it's uh, actually a completely different Mexican cuisine on the West Coast than it is in Illinois. You know, it is. I mean, it isn't. It isn't right. Like, I actually feel like Mexican in L.A. and Mexican in Chicago have a lot of similarities versus uh-huh. versus Mexican in um, like Tex-Mex world. Yeah. Like that. Um, and then I would actually say anywhere that doesn't have a large population of people mm-hmm. from Mexico, like, 100%. wherever, wherever else that might be. Um, but that was when I, I feel like that was when I really started kind of eating out on my own in places that I didn't know and, and had a, and had a, t- has a huge influence in LA. Not yeah, that it doesn't in Chicago, but it, it just kind of, cause it's so close to the border there. Well, and it was Mexico. Um, and it, well, uh, thank you. Ex- yes, correct. Excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, starting from like a freshman in college, begging someone to drive me to a taco truck, or like yeah. the taco truck showing up outside the theater, um, and finally understanding like what a taco was. Yeah. To the amazing restaurants that were hidden away in corners and strip malls or you know that just like having my first mole sauce or really that was the first time I ate an avocado and like guacamole yeah which of course I am so sad to say I am 
since then become allergic to avocados and can no longer eat guacamole. And sometimes I think that is because I ate so much guacamole (laughs) a moment (laughs) that I, um, who knows, that's just, that's actually not, that's a whole weird American issue with like how we produce our food. But, um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel like that experience, because it was also, I was going to right 18 to 22. I, I was becoming my own. I was becoming yeah. an adult and I was making my own choices. Not to mention that's when I got introduced to margaritas. So, so hello. Hello. Um, but yeah. Uh, and, but it really, um, it, it, it just kind of opened me up. I think from the picky eater that I probably was when I was 17, when I mm-hmm. left to who I am today. Yeah. And realizing that there was so much out there I needed to explore. That's yeah. hundred percent. That's beautiful. What's your biggest recipe fail? <laughs> Not having cooked very much. I mean, yeah, I probably have a good one. I probably have a good baking one that I can't remember. I've completely blacked out of my head. Yeah. Um, the one, I mean, several that come to mind is putting a Jack's frozen pizza in the, the, the toaster oven and falling asleep on the couch, <laughs> which is a total fail, right? Then you yeah. were starving. I was starving when I got home from work at 2 a.m. theater life, yeah. which, by the way, working on changing that too for everyone. Yeah, my but, Um. And then like, all I want to do is eat this, eat something. And then I wake up at 5 a.m. realizing I've burnt my pizza. It's now sitting there cold and I have to get up in a couple hours. Like that's a fail in my mind. Yeah, that's pretty bad because you didn't even get the pizza and you almost burned your house down. Yes, luckily, uh, unlike an oven, I maybe that's, maybe that's one of the reasons I love the toaster oven is it turns off. yeah. The oven stays on. That's right. <laughs> I had never thought about that before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I kind of hinted at this earlier and, and you know, very luckily I, I don't have to worry about it today, but there will be a day where I will have to, I will have to make the Yorkshire pudding and I will have to make yeah. the shortbread and I will have to do the family recipes and because I don't do them now, teach, feel like I'm teaching myself a lesson in the moment, but because I don't do them now, I think I will have potential fails in my future. Oh, sure. Of family recipes. And, uh, but that's, I don't know, it's all part of the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also, we've talked about this, but it's also nice you know, not that we would wish a pandemic upon the universe, but I feel like you've gotten some really cool time and FaceTime and like hyper exposure to half of your family during this time. It's which true. Probably will influence some of those recipes. It's true. Even though I didn't like make the 209 pieces of shortbread mom made for Burns Night, <laughs> I still watched how she did it. Yeah. And like those the pushing down of the dough and the fork hole thing. 
I got that. That's great. <laughs> I'll remember. That's great. <laughs> uh, speaking of proficiency, what's a recipe hack that you found that you'll always stick with? Oh, well, I, I already said it. It's the, it's the toaster oven. <laughs> it's the toaster oven. I don't, I could, in fact, I believe when you got to choose an appliance, you chose the toaster oven, right? That's right. Yeah. I spent, what was it? Uh, six months without a microwave or a toaster or a toaster oven. And then I decided I, after a long discernment period, because I have limited outlets. This is really boring, but I have limited outlets in my kitchen and I knew I could only really get one appliance. And well, I limited outlets means limited power. Like yeah, really, exactly. you no one should be putting a power strip in the kitchen and trying to plug seven appliances in there. No, they shouldn't. So you chose? Toaster oven. Amazing. Yeah, it, and it really is. I think it's a game changer. Yeah. The thing I do now is try to think like, what if I have a leftover? Like, is this a stove top or a toaster oven leftover mm -hmm. heat up, you know? And you know, the other thing is, I, I think if I were you, I still think I would have chosen a toaster oven, but I would have been really stressed out about not having a microwave. Yeah. But a lot of things you put in the microwave are leftovers, which some people don't like. That's true. Um, but anything that has to go in the microwave, you probably shouldn't be eating anyway. Yeah, the one thing I miss is um, microwave popcorn, but I actually oh. make stovetop popcorn and I enjoy making it. It's just microwave popcorn is so easy. Yeah, yeah. But I love stovetop. And actually stovetop, you can make more and it's not your fault. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, now this one, next one, this is our uh, third to last. Um, what's a recipe that you highly recommend and what makes it special? And I was thinking about you, this doesn't have to be a recipe that you personally make, though it may be. No, but you know, I was thinking about the, the veal marsala I was telling you about that yeah. my dad taught me how to make. And it, it comes from this set of recipe books um, that we have in our basement um they're you know maybe eight eight by five inches uh -huh. spiral bound um and they're from time life and i feel like it was like a collection that my parents must have gotten over time yeah and we turn to them all the time like yeah. i always see and they're they're very um they're based in specific area cuisines. So like mm -hmm. parts of the world. So the veal marsala one comes out of the Italy book. Oh, uh -huh. but my mom made the most amazing freshest beef and pea pods the other day. Oh yeah. One of those, um, which was, again, it was, it was so fresh and not like covered in like goo. Yeah, goo. Ultimately, like sugary. I, don't get me wrong. I love the goo. No, the goo is great, but it's kind of like what we were talking about with Prill's orange chicken, right? Yeah. Like, like there's, I mean, in that, God, if I feel like just doing this podcast has been like, Maggie, stop ordering food and oh, out of the time life cookbooks, um, which has a lot to do with time. Yeah. Yes. And life. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh God, it's all come together yes. in the time life cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, for I guess what I would say, and 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 this might cover the next question as well, because I really don't have like a a chef or food practitioner who I recommend. Oh, uh-huh. But but if you know, we I think a lot of us search for recipes online, um, and the idea of you know, like if you find something that's like, this is from the time life cookbooks, I'd say go for it. Check it they out. all yeah. seem to work. And they're, they're just simple and old school. And I, yeah. I, I have a number of things in this house as I try to downsize my world and whether it be China or books or clothing or blankets or uh, trinkets, but like those time life cookbooks are going to stay with me because they've seemed to be a staple um, throughout my life. That's uh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You need more kitchen book space though. Well, good thing we're doing a renovation this year. I don't it. know if the books are coming up there though. We're mostly making space for humans because there's yes. Yes. <laughs> all the spices are in the way. <laughs> they kind of are. Well, I, did I say this earlier? I was like, your your like your architecture like you have to have that pantry downstairs mm. like you don't have that much food space in your cabinets no no they're really i mean also it, what's in the cabinets is spices tea taco shells other sets of dishes there's like one and a half shelves of food yeah food comes from the basement Food comes well, and except for taco shells, which how I, how I lucky are that. we that we have space to have all of this other stuff? But, yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty amazing. All right, what are you working on right now, food related or not, that you want to share with listeners? Well, I'm definitely not working on anything food related, other than what we figured out in this last, you know, moment in time together. Oh, yeah. Maybe I do need to start cooking and, um, but, uh, well, I guess what I'm working on in the, the theater world, which is my job is, is trying to, trying to make sure that when we come back after this pandemic of, of having a, a better place to be, whether it has to do with sustainability of work-life balance, um, and and that has a lot to do with financial sustainability, sustainability in terms of the environment and and how we treat the things that we the things versus the first one's about the people. This is about the things, um, and and making sure it is inclusive and available to all. Like that's that's kind of what I spend most of my time on right now. Yeah. Um, which is. Unfortunately, uh, well, it's a great thing to be doing. One of the things I love doing is having a finished product, kind of like making a meal, right? Yeah. Like painting a floor black, check. I made dinner, check. Yeah. These are not um, accomplishable things in the moment, yeah. but um, but are important. And yeah. uh, I'm happy to be working on them and have a lot of good other, there's a lot of other people working on this too. And, oh yeah. Um, I can't say I'm pushing anything of uh, terms of 
do you listen to this or watch this? Oh, sure. but, uh, but it sounds like I need to maybe cook a little more because I'll get that feeling of accomplishment from that and and sharing of space, um, no matter who it's with. That's a nice idea. That's yeah. A nice little mini goal too, right? Yeah. No, it's... Um, I'll talk to my therapist about it tomorrow. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I guess I'm cooking dinner on Wednesday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for being here. This what was so wonderful. I can't believe I was even nervous for a moment about joining <laughs> because, um, being with you and all of you listeners out there is just, um, well, in Joe's words, a gift. A gift. What a gift. What a gift. What a blessing. What a dream. I want to thank you for joining me on Mirepoix Podcast and thank our house band siblings for the use of their song, Jars. I want to invite you to subscribe to support Mirepoix directly on Anchor and to follow me on Instagram where you can receive behind-the-scenes content about this podcast, my own food practice, till we feast again. <laughs>